0: Welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com.
1: We're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm Zach Shahan, CEO of Clean Technica. And joining me today are Katie Mills, Head of Zygo Power, and Megan McIntyre, Senior Energy Analyst and Business Strategy Lead at Zygo Power. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today. And could you just get a little bit of background in how you got into this field of of clean, clean tech, clean energy, and also specifically how you got into your roles at Zygo? We'll start with Katie. Thanks.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Zach. Um, And thank you for having us. Um, Great to be here with you. Um, So I actually got into renewable energy straight out of university quite a long time ago now, Zach. I won't say how long because then you'll know how old I am. Um, But uh, quite a while ago, I kind of ended up actually working renewables in emerging markets and working on kind of investment opportunities in those spaces. And that over time kind of led me into kind of technology and innovation in those areas. So that when I came back to the UK, I very much focused on the technology and software side. And have just really kind of grown around that over the last 10 years. Um, So I actually joined Schneider Electric four years ago where I came in to head up innovation and sustainability for the UK and Ireland. And then as of January this year, came kind of back to my roots really on the software side and came over to head up uh, Zygo Power and work with the team based in London.
0: Yep. And uh, hi, just from myself, I'm Megan. So yeah, I have been at Zygo for just over two years now. And essentially, this is the first job I've had in not only the software sector, but also the renewable sector. I um, came here from my master's in sustainable resources and working really to do the data analytics there and helping us to secure renewable energy for corporate buyers.
1: Good stuff. So this is a you know a broad topic, but uh, why is it essential for corporations right now to be taking action, switching to renewable energy? I mean, we know grids are switching, but why do corporations need to take action and switch?
2: So many reasons, actually, Zach. So from a kind of market perspective, policy is driving these changes, as well as kind of general public sentiment. uh, And market dynamics are kind of really moving in such a way where it is really beneficial for organisations to act now and also be seen to be acting, right? It's not just about saying you are, but actually doing. And realistically, the reason to act now is, you know, as a society, um, as Countries, as organisations, we really need to deal with the climate crisis that is in front of us and address emissions that come from our economic activity and the kind of impact of our economic activity. And also just to meet goals set by governments, ultimately, as well, for us to be good corporate citizens. And that's really what it's all about.
0: And yeah, just to really focus to second what Kate was saying there and focusing on that public pressure piece and making sure that, look, the consumers that industry is typically wanting to serve they're also having more of a focus on what, what they're buying what the impact to the planet is and ultimately what's going to happen is if you have two products that are quite interchangeable they're going to choose the one where the company has proven that they have taken steps to reduce the emissions not only for their own direct scope one scope two emissions but also that supply chain piece I'm engaging them and we need to really appreciate that as much as there is a focus to get renewable energy at the moment, there are also challenges there. So it's that, uh, that aspect of taking action now to make sure that you're also getting ahead of the curve because there isn't a theme that we're seeing where supply is struggling to keep up with demand. So for corporates that are really wanting to show that they're taking action here, they're meeting those CDP or RE100 commitments. They need to really get in with the, the supply that is currently available to show that progress that they're they're making because i think the estimated shortfall for renewable capacity to reach the RE 100 target in just europe the shortfall is about 64 gigawatt hours so that will be a huge challenge and that's why so many corporates are really looking to act quickly to make sure they're staying ahead of that emerging issue of supply
1: yeah and katie you mentioned that you know you came back to software as mm. someone who's not a software engineer. I use a lot of software, I'm sure, but I don't really think about it. What role can software play to increase access to renewable energy? And more specifically, you know, how can software help corporations find and secure renewable energy projects for, for power purchase agreements?
2: Very good question. I think one of the main roles for software is about increasing access to market through new go-to-market, right? So whether it's a digital go-to-market, that's a really important factor around what software can do. And that, you know, the more Access we have, the greater we see in uptake of renewables, the more players that can get involved in the market. So we see more kind of democratization, I think, of the of the of the renewable energy market. And then there's also the pieces around, you know, ultimately uh, greater transparency. We believe drive greater transparency in markets as they begin to develop and grow. And um, it helps to streamline processes. You know, a lot of these processes with new markets come about by kind of circumstance more than actually by design and, and which means at times they're not the most efficient. They can be quite slow. And we think really, you know, software has a role to play in looking at these processes and breaking them down and trying to simplify and streamline as much as we possibly can with, you know, pretty standard processes. That's really where I think software has a kind of really strong role to play in the future. Well, now and also in the future.
0: And I think it's also an element of as these markets mature and these solutions mature, software has that flexibility where it can address the new types of buyers. So a lot of, particularly in the renewable space at the moment, it's very consultancy-led, and that reason being that you need those experts to really guide you through these processes, such as a power purchase agreement or a, a different type of solution. So software can obviously facilitate those transactions, but as buyers become more experienced and corporates become more experienced, you're going to have more people wanting more of an independent transaction so they may not want as much of a consultancy hold and software still facilitates that for them so they don't need to do the whole process manually then they can still perhaps have access to a consultant if required but software i think is really pivotal in making sure that we continue to be able to service that consultancy offering through that but also allowing them to mature slightly and become more experienced
1: yeah so you know software as a service or SaaS is kind of a a popular buzzword and i was a little curious you know how much is it a buzzword how much is it really enabling something additional or something something easier and it sounds like you're, you're already leaning into that with what you just said about you know people wanting to move from working with a consultant to doing more and more stuff on their own once they get comfortable with the the process but what challenges I mean, what can you say about that? So, you know, just extending that that discussion of how software as a service is genuinely enabling more, and and what challenges are there in signing PPAs through software? I mean, it's it's a big thing. Like, mm. like I mean, but then it, it reminds me of the discussion, like when Amazon was like a bookseller, and people were. And it was starting to sell more stuff. And people were like, oh, who's dating myself, by the way, Katie? I mean, I, I feel like we're probably, you you might be younger than me, but we're around the same age, perhaps. <laughs> but I remember he was like, oh, who's going to buy this online? Who's going to buy that online? It was like always like, mm. oh, sure, people will buy books online, but they won't buy everything online. It's like, well, now we do buy everything online. We got comfortable with it. But even cars, but still a, a power plant is a big online purchase, I feel like.
2: It it absolutely is, right? And I I think it's always really important to come back to when you think of software, what problem are you trying to solve, right? It's not software for the sake of software, which we see a lot of in markets in many, many ways. It's actually highlighting the challenge that exists for for your specific user, right? So whether it's a corporate energy buyer, whether it's a developer who's looking to sell their project, make sure you're really honing on the problem and then figure out whether there is a a true software solution to solve that problem, right? Because it's not a square peg round hole type thing, right? You've, You've got to be super clear on that challenge and how software can address that challenge. So that's the kind of first point for me, right? Around what role can software play? Well, it needs to be super specific in the problem that it can solve. I think then the other piece around, you know, you're totally right. This is, these are, you know, huge contracts, large volumes of money, at stake in many many ways which has a you know an element of risk associated to it and realistically what we're saying here is you know the software that we have it's not revolutionary we solve the pain point that comes in a route to market right in a, in kind of getting to market there is then still a lot that happens off the off software, right? Actually, manually still, because it still needs people to buy into people and to trust one another in order to get those transactions done, right? So I think it's more just about making sure that software solves the pain points that it can and work kind of alongside the people that need to be involved in these huge, big negotiations and huge contracts with large value attached to them and, and just be about, yeah, I suppose, kind of making sure that it's not there for the sake of it, but is actually providing value. That's all it should be.
0: Yeah. And I think just going back to the question, focusing on what are the challenges of a PPA and how can software address that, it's that element of it takes two to tango. So, as Kate was saying, these are really long and complex deals. And we have on one side a buyer who is looking for the best way to hedge against the market. Then we have the developer who essentially needs to source financing for the project that they're looking to put into a PPA. Then you may have a consultant also helping to facilitate there. And essentially what the software is looking to do is to reduce that pain point as Katie was saying. And it's not taking away from that, but it's making sure that both parties are able to work together and collaborate in an easier fashion. And just making it more transparent for both sides of, look, we're actually working for both of you. It's not that we're trying to service the buyer or we're trying to service the seller. It's the software is here to bring you both together and to help you mutually reach the best deal that works for both sides.
1: And I'm a bit curious, you know, Zygo is the the company, but it's under Schneider Mm -hmm. Electric. I mean, Schneider Electric is a huge brand, a hugely respected, you know, brand with a lot of history. How much does it help having the Schneider Electric, you know, name and background for helping Zygo to like, make this case to people and, and explain, you know, you're not just some, a few people in a garage in Silicon Valley who are like trying to sell, (laughs) sell a software package for buying big power plants. Like it's, you're like, Oh, you know, we're part of Schneider Electric. I feel like this would be a huge factor for me to to feel comfortable taking those first steps initially.
2: Absolutely. You know, Schneider Electric is, I believe kind of one of the largest corporate buyers of green energy in the world. They have history, they have like second to none knowledge and the, best data sets really in market because of who they are and what they do. And ultimately, what that means is it, when you start to bring that level of expertise together with a software that's solving a pain point, you kind of got a real sweet spot, right? And you're totally right. It, we aren't just a small tech company. We are absolutely, an element. we are a tech arm of Schneider and we come with the might that comes with the experience and the skill sets that they have. So a lot of, we're actually working with the Schneider Electric team right now to be getting to a point where all of their tenders are coming through our platform. What that allows us to do is it allows us to aggregate data in real data actually from the market That hasn't necessarily been aggregated before and provide greater insights to buyers and sellers in order for them to be as successful as they can in these markets. Right. And we can only do that with the might of Schneider behind us. So ultimately, I think really what it allows us to do is it allows us to provide even more value in the market. And we are ultimately better together than we kind of are apart.
1: Hello clean tech enthusiasts. If you enjoy Clean Tech Talk and Clean Technica, please consider pitching in a few dollars a month at cleantechnica.com/support. That's cleantechnica.com/support, where you can sign up in seconds with a credit card, pitch in a few dollars a month or whatever you like. Some people actually contribute 100 dollars a month to help us cover climate change and clean tech and try to help the world one word at a time. Thank you. Yeah so on the data side I mean as as they say data is gold and you know everybody wants more data these days you also need a way to make use of that data you need to, you need to be able to process and and understand and and use the data so you know what kind of data driven insights what kind of data platforms and and kind of uh, information processing is is involved here that can help corporations negotiate ppas and you know just feel like they're doing things the best possible way.
0: Yeah, so on on that, I think to almost take a step back and say, well, what is the core value of data? And it's the same of a picture tells a thousand words. It's the same with data when you get it in such a visual format. And it really helps you to understand what's going on in the market. How can something that we see in the news, a very recent example being the Russia-Ukraine war, how is that impacting stuff? And that is very easily displayed in pricing graphs for example in data and then what we can get from that is seeing those insights that we get how do we implement that to make the best decision for your business and if you combine that data with the software you can then put those strategies into place to protect yourself against market volatility and that is something that otherwise if it wasn't through software and through these data types of insights that would take a lot of you know internal resource and time to really research and understand this so I think that's the core value that data provides first of all Um, in terms of what insights can we then give in in a platform such as such as Zygo what we do is we take that data first of all to help them tell that story but then there's also features we can develop So things such as feedback to people that participate in the tenders that we we release to help essentially encourage competitiveness and making sure that essentially we're getting the most competitive prices in the market and then making sure that everyone has that full transparency of where is the market currently and again going back to making sure that both sides of the equation the buyers and the sellers are getting a fair deal and the power of that really is in the data insights that we can tell and removing any potential bias there really is in the numbers and you can see it for yourselves and using that to like I was saying go back to senior stakeholders and sell that story a lot stronger I think.
2: Ultimately you know and you said it Zach data for the sake of data is not useful right it's 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 what you do with that data it's the connections that you make with that data it's the insights that you drive from that data that should that we believe kind of from a software perspective help you help your business be more successful so, you know, when we think about it from our development community that we have on platform, it's ultimately giving them as much information about, you know, where they rank with their peers, how their offers are looking against others. What does it look like from a pricing perspective, a structure perspective, all those different data points we ultimately want to give to be able to help these organizations be more successful? Because if they're more successful, we have a much greater level of renewable energy in like on our grids and that's ultimately helping to drive you know emissions down so there is a kind of greater good to it too but you know you've absolutely hit the nail on the head I get really frustrated when they're like, just give us a dashboard. For what reason? Right? Yeah. What do you want to do with that dashboard? What's the yeah. insights that you want to gain from it? And I think, you know, before you go into any form of software with any data, you need to be super clear in your head as to what are the insights we need to be driving and how are we going to use those in our business to, you know, influence what we do. And, and I think if you can get those things clear, then you'll use data in the right way rather than, you know, data for the sake of data.
1: Yeah. So and then how how can streamlining renewable energy procurement through software translate into cost savings and increased efficiency for those corporations? Like, how does how does that help versus, you know, just call, calling up someone and, and making this making the deal or, you know, sending emails back and forth with the, the contract?
2: So, like, I, I think one of the main benefits of it is transparency. Right. And we say a lot that this market is an evolving market and a maturing market. And so transparency needs to be driven because transparency helps competition in many, many ways. And, you know, competition helps drive down price. It helps drive down risk. There are lots of different things that, you know, competition can do. So from my perspective, the most important thing actually is around driving that transparency in the market, whether it's pricing, whether it's like whatever
0: it is, that's really what it should be about.
1: Megan you're yeah anything in agreement yes
0: that essentially is it and then just making sure the other price transparency there and the cost savings and efficiency that going back to the flexibility of offerings software can support is it a full consultancy model or is it more of a hands-off approach where you want to be self-led and making sure that we are going forward with as the market matures as well software essentially can facilitate the transactions of different, different types of offering and as we mature towards more like more hands-off approach there are cost savings there as well
1: so yeah well that's that's great i I think i've heard different things here about like pretend i'm or maybe don't even have to pretend pretend i'm a luddite who who's like once a green my business once renewable energy but i don't but i get overwhelmed by the idea of another software system i don't i'm you know what are the three reasons i really need this Instead of just, you know, doing it the old way that I'm used to, like, give me an elevator three, three point pitch. Why do I really need a software package to buy a power plant?
2: (laughs) Oh, you're putting us on the spot now, Zach. Let's see. So... Ultimately, it's about a streamlined digital route to market um, that offers greater transparency and greater competition, right? It's all those things are, you know, those four things are kind of beneficial for everyone involved on both sides.
0: I think that's what I would say as well of what really can we, and it's making sure, I guess, making if you're looking at what software solution do we have, how does it benefit and what problem are you solving? So it's making sure don't find you know a software solution and say, okay, now I need to find a problem that this is going to fix. It's when you're approaching software solutions to address it, you need to have the problem in mind that you want to fix. So that would be the advice I would give on that one.
1: Very cool. You're very well-versed in this field. What trends and innovations do you see emerging in this realm of software-assisted renewable energy purchasing and uh, especially for corporations?
0: I think for me, it's it's definitely something that is already high on everyone's agenda and there's a lot of talk about it but the scope 3 emissions is something that's going to emerge and what we already have within Zygo, there's a Zygo Activate offering is it helps kind of group together the, you know, the, we call them sponsors, but essentially the the lead person who wants to engage their supply chains because they want to effectively report back to the commitments that they've made and show their customer base that they're tracking effectively against these commitments. And it can, it helps to bring together all the suppliers that may be quite disengaged and create more of a community there. And it supports both parties there. So you have the supplier who can easily and readily understand what is required of them, perhaps have the support of the person that they're eventually supplying to if they are a larger organization, And then it's very easy to then monitor and track the progress that your supply chain is making. So I think that is a trend that will continue to develop. And then as that trend develops, there also are the offerings that will begin to mature. So within our space, we're talking a lot about aggregated PPAs. The wider Schneider Electric team is very much so I'm looking into this offering and it's very new. It's not something that is a hugely mature market at the moment but it will likely continue to be and software can of course go alongside this to make that grouping and the grouping of the consortiums and making sure everyone has the right understanding and requirements of these already really complex deals to make it a much more seamless situation and negotiation throughout.
2: So the um, from my perspective the the software geeking me is the, the biggest kind of opportunity that I that I see and experts in the, in the renewable energy market will probably absolutely want to uh, shoot me for this, I would have thought, but it's around simplicity, right? So there is so much complexity in a lot of these things that whether whether it's scope three reduction, whether it's, you know, PPA procurement, if the role I think software really will play in the future is, is around how we simplify for either a buyer and seller, these processes, right? And and that's ultimately what software should do. It it should be about making people's lives easier, not more complicated. And and that's where I see kind of a much bigger opportunity and, and kind of trends coming down the line as to, you know, how can we use software to simplify what are super complicated, super diverse challenges with many different stakeholders involved, Software has a real role to play in simplifying those things. I don't mean making it simple; that's a different thing. But simplifying, I think, is is where we're going to see things kind of move towards more and more.
1: And maybe just expand a little bit more on the different processes and challenges of scope one, scope two, scope three, and just laying out more what are those, what what are scope one, scope two, scope three emissions, and and the, the challenges for for cleaning up each of them.
0: Yes. Yeah, so the, the different scopes are essentially the direct emissions from your, from your operations. And then you have scope two, where it's more so about the heating and the more indirect emissions there. And scope three is, of course, your supply chain. So that is considered the not only the largest scope in terms of percentage of overall emissions, but also the biggest challenge because there is the, the least amount of control that essentially the corporate has to, has to address it. So for scope two in particular, things such as the heating and the operations, PPAs are something that is very much so in their control and then that is there are a range of other solutions available there not just power purchase agreements and then there's things such as efficiency making sure your products are designed in a way that reduces the emissions embedded in it so there are definitely a lot of different solutions and it's important to look at when you're targeting each scope What is the best um, solution, not only for your business, but also for the impact there? Then we're looking at scope free. That's when we look in again, making sure we've got a grouping of your supplier, your supply base and making sure that we're considering what their capabilities are because you could have a very small supplier and it could be they can't go into a PPA and it's just they don't have the volume requirements to go into a PPA, but they can increase the efficiency of the buildings that they're operating in. Um, So it's important when looking at the different scopes and seeing what actually is, first of all, within your control, but then when we go externally to more of the scope-free, what is the capability of every supplier there?
2: And, And, you know, ultimately it goes back to that you know, famous saying, if you can't improve what you don't measure, right? And all of these scope one, scope two and scope three is around getting, you know, your first step is getting visibility, know what the data is telling you so that you then can think about what step you need to take after that, right? And that's where the scope three becomes super complicated because obviously you've got to read, you know, I, I, I think of the likes of Schneider Electric, we have something like 42,000 suppliers globally, <laughs> And you got to understand everyone,
1: just 42,000,
2: you know, it's a really small problem to deal with. And actually we've (laughs) set, we have really bold targets around reducing 50% of our top, top 1000 supplier emissions by 2025. That's a bold target and that's not easy to do. But the first step of it is about getting visibility into what that looks like, right? So, and and that will take time. And, And there are loads of solutions out there that can help you do that in a far more, simple streamlined manner so yeah yeah, i think you know
1: so how does that view first the zygo power system is is tracking these as deeply as possible for different companies in the system and sort of trying to standardize and 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 and, you know have all the same stats available for every every potential suppliers all, all potential suppliers or
2: so Zygo Power in particular, so um, is is predominantly just it is is just focused on that kind of energy procurement piece, so around the PPA piece and. R- it's difficult to say like it's standardizing because it, yeah, it's, I, I know, was these looking for a different
1: word, but I couldn't think of what it was. <laughs>
2: yeah. Like these aren't like obviously nothing standard. Unfortunately, if it was, it would be much easier. Nothing's kind of standard. But, you know, I think when we look at the, the main drivers behind why buyers need, want or need a PPA, they are very similar, right? They, they usually have a kind of 2025, 2030 target around whether it's net zero or carbon neutral that is usually existing there is usually something around them either wanting to be part of RE100 or part of RE100 and obviously that's a kind of requirement to make sure that you are reducing your emissions on that people want additionality and additionality is something that comes from basically being able to say because I financed this project there is now this amount more of renewable energy on the grid and that you know I'm ultimately taking so those are all kind of I'd, I'd say common drivers, and Megan, you can obviously disagree with me around this because you, uh, you see this a lot anyway, but I, I do think as much as it's not standardized, there are absolutely common drivers that, that are pushing organizations to this point, which is why we're seeing you know, the the demand for PPAs go through the roof. And because also like 2025, sorry, 2030 is seven years. That's not long. <laughs> seven years is not very long. Well, let, nearly six years, right? Because we're nearly at the end of 2023. Um, and I think all of a sudden people are going, Oh I've only got 6 years to deal with this. Yeah. You know, wh- where do I start? Well, you can your scope 2 is usually a pretty good place to well scope 1 and 2 but your scope 2 from a kind of ppa perspective is usually a pretty good place to start.
0: Yeah, and I think I think uh, something else that is kind of a new new term that we're starting to hear is not only additionality but high emissionality so what that means is they're wanting to make sure that they're saying accessing a solution that might have the greatest impact so we see in the european space traditionally a lot of ppas may have been done in mature markets whereas these deals are just they're more experienced and they get them through faster then you have markets that are more emerging in the space, such as Poland, which is the most carbon intensive on the grid. And we're seeing more and more buyers say, OK, we understand that it's a new market. There might be additional challenges, but we want to put the effort into the space because we want to have that impact. And say we reduced emissions in a grid that currently maybe needs additional support to kind of get it started and let it catch up with the rest of the region, which I think is a really positive and exciting trend that we're seeing.
2: And like, I, I hate to be the optimist, Zach, right? Because I will always be that person. But, you know, you know, we, we we all have to get there together. <laughs> it's This isn't a one person wins and we, like, we all have to get there in order to deal with the crisis that is in front of us. And I think, you know, we're starting to see that pressure more and more in organizations because you know what? Their people are asking them that. You know, it isn't just, it's not just a business, it's not just a strategy anymore that, you know, is coming down or, or, or not even a strategy, a, I suppose, a kind of marketing tool, right? Isn't that we've got a sustainability target, which is what it was for many, for kind of many years. Mm-hmm. Like now this is a business critical element of any strategy from a growth perspective. And I think we're kind of starting to that shift from, you know, what's it going to cost me to actually, what does it cost me if I don't do this? That shift is, has happened. And, and that's a really kind of positive step in the right direction.
1: It seems like a very British or, or broader, even European phrase. I hate to be an optimist. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> yeah, because us British aren't really like that, right?
1: Yeah, well, this has been great stuff. I guess, as a concluding note, uh, what advice would you give to corporations looking to streamline their renewable energy procurement through software? What are, what are just the, the the key tips or a piece of advice that you would give them?
2: So for me, I think if you truly want to use a digital solution to help streamline your process, you need to be very clear going in exactly what your requirements are and what you expect to get out of this process transaction right being very clear with that up front is really important because you know we've seen it where people aren't clear going into these these processes and they ultimately fall over at the end because that level of kind of clarity and making sure everyone's objectives from both sides were clear from day one weren't there just that's so. a really
1: good point i mean it's, it seems so basic but it seems it does
2: so it's important <laughs>
1: and i can imagine yeah. that happening at company after company where if they come in knowing what whereas where the, they come in like hey can you solve this problem for us that's not going to be a great starting point, right? <laughs> it's like-
2: yeah. And I, so I think, you know, being super clear on what your objectives are before you start this process and why you are doing this process is really important. And, and being able to be transparent and upfront with, during the process around that, because, you know, the more a buyer and a seller is aware of each other's motivations, the easier the negotiations become. It's when we don't have that, visibility and that transparency that things ultimately end up usually going wrong further down the line because those motivations haven't been clear from day one so that would be my kind of main tip
0: I think just bringing the market perspective here my tip would be to act now or to act soon there's not really any guarantee that as these targets are approaching and we're approaching 2030 that it's going to be easy to get something as effective as a PPA to reduce those emissions and something that you can demonstrate the impact and trace it to your your own scopes. Because ultimately, the markets are changing and, and undergoing a huge transformation. And there are challenges that are associated with that. Going back to where we're saying there's a lot of delays in trying to get these new projects on online. And what that means is the projects that are currently available are either they're going to go to market via different routes or the first movers in the corporate space looking to enter PPA are going to get the ones that are available. So I would say act now. You, it's not really something you can wait until the 11th hour to really work on because this is somewhere where demand will continue to increase at a very fast pace. So, yeah, if you want to be there, be there fast.
1: <laughs> yeah, great, great tip. I, I think it is everyone wants uh, stability and security in their decisions. And I think that has delayed a lot of action in the space for for years, uh, especially as policies are constantly changing. People are waiting for prices to come down. But I, I think it's 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 been shown time and time again the sooner yeah. the better and <laughs>
0: i think the i mean the the price conversation is an understandable one there's it was only you know three four years ago prices for pps in europe um, were a lot lower than what we're seeing but just looking at the markets at the moment we still have a lot of political uncertainty um not just with russia and ukraine which obviously had the spike last year but some wider uncertainties that will that may influence the market in a way that keeps prices high. Long term prices are showing that they will continue to be at a high level for the remainder of the decade. And I understand that that is obviously a a pill to swallow. And we all want to be much more optimistic that they will come down at a faster rate. And there's a lot of challenges there in the PPA space of... Except them. for Katie. I, Katie hates you know. to be an optimist. <laughs> 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 but then there's also the challenges developers are facing of because inflation is so high, it's much more expensive to build these projects. So they need to price it in a way where they essentially break even. So as much as we would want to say, yeah, maybe prices will come down next year, it's not a high likelihood that that is what's going to happen. And it's going back to what I was saying earlier. If you don't act now, it could be that in three, four years' time, you go, okay prices aren't coming down we appreciate that now then all these projects are now reserved because there are so many other factors at play
1: yeah it's great I points know. i mean we had the covid pandemic the the yeah. economic shutdowns the russia ukraine uh invasion and then i mean you've got potentially a situation with china and taiwan which would be mm. extremely extremely disruptive to this sector especially i mean yeah it's, so it's it's like I feel like we're at a kind of like, I know we're not at the easiest time in the history of the world, mm-hmm. but at the same time, while inflation is sort of getting under control and everything sort of seems to be going back to normal, it seems like, you know, you want to jump on it now and not not wait for another crisis to emerge, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just... not
0: to end on a, a sad note, but oh, yeah, no, that's definitely the realistic view of it. <laughs>
2: I think it's it's that really important point, Zach, that if you're coming into this because you want a cheap price, you're coming in through it for the wrong reasons, right? There are There are multiple different factors outside of just price. That should be the reasons that you are looking at a PPA, whether that's you know hedging against market volatility, whether that's your sustainability requirements, whether that's your additionality, whatever it is, it, you know there has to be multiple boxes that you need to tick in order to make this successful for your business. And if it's just about price, i hate to say it but this is going to be a really difficult one for you to do right because it, it's not super cheap right now there is a premium to this and actually you know megan said it as supply and as demand goes up and supply can't keep up we're only going to see more of a premium so there is a case of you know kind of getting now before those prices go wherever they could potentially go in the future and who yeah. knows what kind of volatility we could then see in markets too. so
1: well thanks a lot v- very interesting uh fun discussion really appreciate it so yeah thank you for for what you're doing
2: thanks so much thank you
0: thank you for listening to clean tech talk join us next time to get your electric fix if you would like to sponsor our podcast send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks.